Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Preaching to the Choir podcast with your host, me, Jen Randall. Today, we are interviewing Nebraska show choir legend, Mr. Doran Johnson from Omaha Westside High School. He's going to tell us about how he started out in Iowa show choir, because that's where he's from, which I forget all the time, (laughs) because he has been a staple in the Nebraska show choir landscape for over 20 years now. He's going to tell us about working on building that program at Omaha Westside and building not just show choir in his school, but show choir around the state. This is an important one to listen to, friends, if you're starting from scratch or you're brand new to this, or especially if you're in the geographic area of Nebraska and western Iowa and South Dakota. So please enjoy our interview today with Mr. Doran Johnson. with me today it although we're not hanging out at all like remotely in person um, that's right because you live very far away but also because because coronavirus so i feel like we should throw that out there because it may come up in conversation true um despite the fact that that's not what we want to spend time talking about today but you live with you live with healthcare professionals in your household I do actually. Yes, so, my wife's a registered nurse. So. Yeah, and th- but she is generally someone who works at this point in admin. Is that correct, or am I making that up? She's yeah. She's moved on to um, she's a staff development nurse, so she right. trains new nurses. But she's having to deal with all of the health policies that come through and communicating all of those that change on a daily basis. So right, and so now she's probably back more at the hospital more often than she was for sure at this point. So well, she's she her office is at the hospital. Oh, so, so she would have been there ma- no matter yeah, what, oh, fitting masks on people and talking about whatever the policy is of the day. <laughs> of the day is probably more like of like the two hours. I feel like it changes. Yeah, for sure. Every five minutes. And then your daughter, Jaylee, is graduating this year from college. So she's doing speech well, path, right? Speech language pathology, yes. Yeah. So thank them for us, for all of their hard work. And putting I will themselves do that. In the front lines. <laughs> I'm very serious about that. Uh, but let's talk about your work and what you do for a living, because that's sort of related to this podcast. How about that? So <laughs> you, Excellent. Uh, you're like, please ask me about myself. So tell me about <laughs> what I would say is like your path to becoming a show choir professional. You can start, you know, as a small boy in Iowa if you want, or you can start later than that. But how did you get to this place? Uh, well, I was actually thinking about this this morning, that my show choir career started in seventh grade when we did Once in Love with Amy and choreographed it. Oh. And we took it to a little festival. I vaguely remember that. But then I remember the next year I felt so cool because we did Barry Manilow. Hey, that would have been. I write the song. Yes, it was awesome. It was awesome. So yeah, so that's where show choir started, and I jumped in high school with both feet. Um, We only had one show choir back in the day, but I made it as a freshman. And our very first contest, I think maybe our only contest we ever went to, we won with a perfect score. Oh well, (laughs) I know. Look at you winning from the beginning. (laughs) I know. So that's that's sort of what propelled me to where I am today, I guess. You know, the rest the rest is history. What where did you like what high school did you graduate from? I went to uh, Central High School in Waterloo, Iowa. Okay. Um and my uh freshman and sophomore choir director was Dr. Edie Copley, who is from Northern Arizona University and is retiring this yes. year. So she was my mentor. She was huge, huge part of my life. She left after my sophomore year to go teach at the International School in Vienna. Oh. I was heartbroken. Um, but I think I knew from that point on that that being a music teacher is what I wanted to do. And did you or do you still do you have any instruments that you play as well? Or have you always just been a vocal person? Um, I played trumpet up through freshman in high school. Um, and, and then my band director switched me to French horn, which I think is Satan's instrument because you <laughs> blow into it and it plays whatever note it wants to play um i was bullied by the trumpets uh because i couldn't find the opening d in fantasia on green sleeves so i therefore quit band and stuck with singing <laughs> it's good to hear that after all this time you're not bitter and you have no not at all. B- hard i have great respect for great french horn players if you can it's... play french horn you are awesome i have very little memories of playing french horn in college because you know we had to play every instrument did you have to do that as well at that I time did not. In college? no that was 
back in my day, we didn't do that. We had to learn how to play every instrument well enough to teach a fifth grader. And all I remember about French horn, and of course you all in podcast land can't see this, but is the hand <laughs> shape you're supposed to make like into the bell. Like I have very yeah. vivid memories of that, but I don't think I ever, I don't know that I ever made a sound on the darn thing. So yes, we all appreciate French horn players and good French <laughs> horn players about that. And you went where to college? You need to tell us that. Obviously. I went to University of Northern Iowa in Cedar Falls. You and I. Mm-hmm. And you got a degree, obviously, in music education. My degree is in music education, and, and just vocal is what I'm certified so in. When you graduated, um, were you like, I want to teach high school? Like right away, you knew that was your path. Did you spend any time in the younger grades? How did that go? Yeah, I mean, I had a student teach K-12. I mean, I had a student taught elementary, I had a student taught high school. I definitely, high school is where I was planning on being, and um, I was, don't laugh, but people paid me money to choreograph their groups while I was still in college. <laughs> that so was going to come up whether you brought it up or not, so uh, I'm glad you did. <laughs> it's terrible. It's terrible to think about those poor, unfortunate groups. Um, Different times. So I, 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 I had a lot of experience still doing high school while I was in college, um, so... I didn't mind elementary music, but it was just way too many preps. And it was, yeah. it was just as stuff I didn't, not that I didn't care about teaching. I really wanted to do the performance side of things. So right. that's why. Um, so my first job was teaching, um, well, it started out seven through 12, eventually moved to six to 12, six through 12 vocal music in Grundy Center, Iowa. Yeah. But the fact that you were only having to do vocal is a big deal. I think yeah. in the yeah. Midwest, a lot of those smaller schools vocal and instrumental right. for sure so right that yeah was i've never cool. had to teach instrumental anywhere so that's, that's good. so so nice okay and how many years did you spend there i spent 10 years there okay and did um, you have a show choir there i did and you know it was 9 through 12 it consisted of mostly uh taking kids to show choir camps of america and then bringing that that music back and performing it with my kids um and then eventually we would, you know, be able to get a higher choreographer or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, it was sort of where I always, uh, I had those kids in that small little school, but I dreamed of being the next Pete Eklund and I <laughs> dreamed of being yes. Paul Goldsvig. And I would take kids every year and we would get in the school van and I would take a group of kids up and we'd watch the Oscar show car competition um, and get kids excited about what, what could be and go back and try and some of those things. So it was sort of a, a laboratory for me for, you know, trying to figure things out. Well, I think everybody has to have that in some capacity. And sometimes, you know, newer graduates nowadays, when they get the job, the first job's a laboratory no matter what, but some of them are in these bigger and bigger positions. And I just, you and I have talked about this, like right. I, me, my first year of teaching should not have been in charge of Omaha West Side. <laughs> ATS right. Team, and so. I feel the same way. I, I learned so much. I mean, yeah. I feel like I should give back my salary from that first year because I didn't, <laughs> didn't do any teaching. I did all the learning. Um, but sometimes I, you know, I look back at those 10 years and just, I, I kind of want to go back to simplicity, yeah. the lack of pressure. Yeah. Um, you know, it was just a different world back then. And, and being able to do, you know, do, do what I wanted to do and had a lot of support. Maybe I didn't have the talent. Maybe we didn't, um, you know, I look back now, I'm sure I'd be mortified at those groups, but we always were dreaming of something bigger. There is something to that feeling of, and I don't want to say underdog, just throw that term around, but like that notion of, like you said, where the the pressure, there's no expectation, you know, you get to go right. out and whatever you're doing feels really exciting and fresh because you're still striving to be mm-hmm. those groups. And, and that's, that's very different than the position you're probably in right now, which we'll get to in a second. But so after... After the 10 years there, did you come straight to Omaha West Side? And those are the only two positions Correct. you've had? Okay. Right. My path to West Side was kind of interesting in yeah. that um, after my first, I believe it was after my first year of teaching, went to the Iowa Choral Directors Association Summer Compo- Symposium, mm-hmm. sitting next to a gentleman who we struck up a conversation. And uh, Sharon Hansen was my choir director in college. Mm-hmm. And she happened to have been uh, his kid's middle school teacher in Omaha. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we come to, we, we struck up a conversation and discovered that they were on this thing called modular scheduling, which is the scheduling I was on in Grundy Center. Um, we became lifelong friends. We, we would go to show car camp together and be roommates. Oh, um, he would bring his group, he would bring his group through Grundy Center if they're on their way somewhere. I brought my kids twice to Omaha to, to Westside and did a couple events with them. Um, I sang at his kids' weddings. Oh, wow. um, it, and we just became really great friends because of the connection we had with Omaha, with modular scheduling, show choir camp. 
um, so that when he uh, Westside had a big buyout in 1998, um, and he was able to take that buyout. And so I thought, well, I kind of know this program. I've been around it. Say that again. I was just saying for retirement purposes was the buyout. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was buyout for retirement. Um, But then, so I, my plan was to come to Omaha, come to Westside and get big school experience and then return back to my hometown in Iowa and teach. And then 22 years later, I'm still here. (laughs) (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) Yeah. Changed my mind on that. (laughs) Just kidding. Well, when... I mean, you start, you're talking a little bit right now about like the beginnings of ATSC when you talk about that. Okay. So when you got to Omaha Westside, uh, ATSC already existed. Amazing Technicolor Show Choir was already out and competing, right? Yes. I think um, ATSC had existed for 11 years, I believe, before I arrived. Um, And the program had grown. There was a a women's show choir and a prep show choir. So all three groups were in existence. Oh, wow. I didn't Um, know that. Okay. Yeah, they had. And... You know, when I took over ATSC, I think there were 32 kids in the group. So that was on the big side for Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. At that time. Yeah, that'd be huge. They were competing um, at least regionally and somewhat nationally. So they they were one of the few groups that kind of left the Nebraska uh, state line and, and gone off to other places. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we we haven't talked about this yet, of course, but we know each other because Nebraska connections. And so I was I was in high school around that time. <laughs> <laughs> which is your favorite thing to talk about with me. Um, but yeah, I remember ATSC was kind of the thing we were all looking towards at that time in Nebraska because they were the only ones going out of state and they were the only ones, you know, competing in that fashion. Um, and then also you mentioned that you were taking your kids to SCA, which was not a thing anyone else in Nebraska was doing at that time. So, right. you know, camps in general, I think just have such a huge benefit for students, Right. Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially when, you know, little Nebraska kids were rubbing shoulders with Mount Zion and Mississippi and all of those people at Shokar Camps of America. And, and that's where, you know, they met Mark Anthony Lord was the was the choreographer for a time. And oh, yes. So making all of those connections. Right. Absolutely. And then when I, you know, you know better than I do at this point, because this is kind of when I was in college time and first starting out. But when do you feel like you really started to see more groups kind of jump on that similar bandwagon with you in the state of Nebraska? I would say early 2000s, you know, 2002, 2003, kind of is where people started to figure it out and started to hire people and started designing shows differently and um, making their groups larger. I think that's probably the most significant change in Nebraska was they all had these 16 to 20 voice groups that just can't, compete alongside the 40 and 50 voice groups. So I think that was a huge change that that started to happen early 2000s. And then, well, the other thing I think that changed, whether you're going to say it or not, is that you started hosting a competition. So when was the first year you had Competition of Excellence in Nebraska? Well, Competition of Excellence started in 2001. So that was the first, I mean, there have been events around, but none that um, involved a finals component, mm-hmm. none that um, had homerooms and hosts and all that kind of stuff. So we were the first kind of Midwest style competition to to take place in Nebraska. Yeah, absolutely. And then, um, I mean, I don't, I'm trying to think of what the next one would be that I can think of off the top of my head. But I mean, you guys were the only game in town for a little while there actually before yeah and it really did i i remember that first year it was it just started off with nebraska groups and um they they were calling it the nebraska state championship but um (laughs) then then as other groups started to come come across and and into nebraska from iowa and other places there was a little bit of pushback from the nebraska people but i think they quickly figured out that was one of their ways that they were going to get to see other groups too. And they didn't have to leave the state if other groups were coming in. So I think that was sort of a revelation for them as well. Yeah. That was a welcome thing. It wasn't something they should yeah. be afraid of. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think initially they were afraid of it because yeah. no one felt like they could compete at that level, but it only made everybody better. I see that right now, like here in, in Texas where I am, that's, you know, we're only 10 years in really with competitive show choir in Texas. And um, that is still, a, a conversation that I have, you know, where there, you know, if somebody else comes in from the outside, well, we can't compete with that. And, and, you know, that makes us nervous. But like you said, that's how you get better. 
like your kids right. seeing that and having that opportunity to compete against those groups. Yeah. And I think that when I think about what we've done over the last 22 years, initially, the, the first part was me with my big dreams, taking kids where we had no business going, right. You know, taking kids down Alaska and finishing last and taking kids to show, show showstoppers and finishing last, mm-hmm. you know, like in, in people's eyes, maybe we had no business there, but those are experiences that, only made us better. Right, so. exactly. It's a, and it's a long-term thought process that you had as well. And that's the other thing I think I see, especially with younger directors or newer groups with younger directors, is that they want to be these huge name ensembles that, you know, regularly win grand championships everywhere they go, right out the gate. Um, right. And it just, it takes time. Like, there's no substitute for time and and well. and working through all of that. Yeah, a great man named Pete Eklund once told me that it takes 10 years to become an overnight sensation. So <laughs> I kind of yes. kind of took that to heart. <laughs> yes, and that he he is not wrong. I've heard him say that too and that is so very very true. But man is it hard to be patient when you're young and know everything, right? <laughs> well, and I think it's hard when you when you come from a program that's been successful and now you're out there teaching. Oh, right. You you think you think that's where you're going to be. I I didn't have that experience. Yeah, I, I was either. just making my way through the world and you know you know that's actually know. a very interesting point because a lot of the conversations i've had with directors that are you know now good friends of mine or people that i that i admire that were mentors of mine so and, and myself included in this is so many of us that are are doing it now um did not have the benefit of being in that type of ensemble in high school um only within the last you know 15 years 10 15 years are you getting kids who were in a big group going to college for it, graduating, and then trying to emulate what you're seeing, at least in our part of the country. So that's a fairly new concept, you know, in and of itself. So yeah, I can see why that would be a challenge to go, well, this is what I had, this is what I knew. And to want it to feel like that for your kids, to want it to feel like, in your case, ATSC, if they go out and they graduate and they become a director, trying to make your brand new group of 25 kids feel like ATSC would be a challenge. Right, which is why many of them are not ending up in smaller schools because they just don't have that frame of reference. Right, right. It would be very hard to make that mental change. I, I do understand that that does make sense. Um, when you are looking back at the time spent so far at, at Omaha West Side, you know, is there anything you look back on that feels – do you have any certain years where you look back and you're like, that was um, – that was a dividing day or that was a pivot turn or that was a, you know, that was a big moment for our department. Like any big changes you remember happening over the years? Yeah, that would be in my mind every year. I, um, I returned to 2005. Okay. Um, 2005, I feel like was the year that we crossed the line, mm-hmm. um, in a good way. Yeah. I, it was the, it was the first time we had ever made the finals at on Alaska. And that was huge. It had been a huge goal of my life. Yeah. Um, but I also feel like, um, I had finally figured out musically and and technique wise, so I felt like the crossing the line came vocally rather than visually, mm. and that was a that was a piece of advice that um, Mike Esser gave me a long time ago. He was always one of my mentors up at Lacrosse Central. I always wanted to do what he was doing and be like Mike. But um, <laughs> one of one of you know one of the things he said to me is when you're thinking about crossing those lines, cross those lines musically not visually. Um, I so I, I felt like creating more music and singing really well suddenly became our passion. Um, and, and things started to fall into place and success breeds success. So, Absolutely. you know, it, it's not that they weren't successful before that, but 2005 was the, 2004 would have been the last time we didn't make finals somewhere. So since 2005, oh, wow. my kids have, have made finals in every contest, knock on wood, but yeah. yeah. Um, so I felt like that's everything I looked back and it was those kids. It was the talent. Um, it was the first time we had done sort of production type number, you know, so we, we did cross some visual lines there. So. Okay. There tell us what points... the show was for those of us who are geeks. Tell us what was in that oh, show. Well, it was cutting edge because we did define gravity. Um, and before... that was brand, brand new. Yeah. It was before everyone else did it. Um, <laughs> Dave, David Fair wrote the arrangement. 
Um, and I thought I was, you know, so cool because David Fair was writing well, an arrangement for yeah, me. Yeah, it would still feel that And way. it was awesome. Um, so we did Defying Gravity and then uh, Orange Colored Sky. Oh, yes. Um, David Fair also wrote the ballad that year. It was uh, What I Did for Love, yes. which was just a real stunning arrangement. I remember it. Um, it was beautiful. And the boys did some number. I don't remember what it was. But I'm sure it was good. But <laughs> I always sure it was fabulous. Um, but the closer was um never dance by linda edder oh yes um and so it was a big production latin number the boys were in like white miami vice um suits and the girls were in uh, solid color uh latin dresses and we had feather fans we had maracas we had all that kind of stuff so oh i stole that from you then in 2008 after i watched you guys do that i was like oh my gosh oh, yeah that song is everything yeah thank you it was for that. fun yeah no it was fun oh, and that was, so was that was just a big uh, that was a uh, you know crossing the line kind of moment for us so. yes absolutely and then i mean over the years certainly i mean those of us who have been around your program have seen you know changes for sure but then for me personally of course like last year felt like a big change again as well um it just it it had a different vibe about it and there was it wasn't a story necessarily but there was a through line to it that I feel like isn't always in your shows, maybe, prior to that. Am I wrong in saying that? Uh, no. Well, I, we always tried to have some sort of subtext or some something that in our brains connected things, but there was never anything that was really obvious. Right. Um, and the one time I tried to be obvious, it didn't work. So <laughs> It's a hard um, thing. <laughs> yeah. I, You know, I just got to the point where I felt like, my skill set was teaching kids to sing, um, cleaning choreography, all of the, the nuts and bolts work. Okay. And it wasn't the design work that was not my passion, was not my forte. It was not what I, I excelled at. So yeah. giving up some of the show design elements to another person was um, kind of another line that we crossed that I, I don't want to go back. <laughs> was that hard initially to give that up or was it like, you know what, oh, this yeah. is my jam? Yeah, because I felt a little bit like a, a, a little bit like a failure that sure. oh I I'm not creative enough to come up with you know I had these brilliant designers and I, I these arrangers and these choreographers and I have great kids but I'm holding them back because creatively I can't think out of my box mm. so while it was scary it was one of the most exciting things I've ever done oh absolutely well and it paid off in the sense that it's I mean. It's a phenomenal show. It's a very memorable show for you guys, and um, yeah, that, I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it. I think, and I think the fun part of it was the kids were along on the same journey with me. Yeah. You know, we we all just were trusting and and wanted to do something new, and it was time to take that risk. Um, and I, I think there was a great reward in that. And I think that's something now I'm seeking to recreate each year. What can I do differently this year that I haven't done before? Instead right. of just doing my cookie cutter this is how I know how to put a show together. A formula and, of sorts, yes. Yeah, yes. and then essentially doing the same show year after year, just mm -hmm. changing the songs, you know, so. Which is easy to get sucked into, honestly. I mean, especially when you're when you're having success. it's It would be much simpler to just kind of stick to, the, I'm, my son watched High School Musical today, so I'm saying stick to the stuff you know, <laughs> than, <laughs> than jumping, stick to the status quo, yeah, stick to the status quo. Um, than pushing outside your boundaries. That's way harder that's i mean taking that much effort to be that vulnerable honestly is what it is uh, especially again after you've been successful for so many years with that so i so applaud you for that and i enjoyed watching that process with you just kind of going this is cool to see them taking this risk and and doing something different and um and as you know i love that opener and i can not do any of the choreography except for the spinning in the circle part singing what am I doing? What am I doing? <laughs> Which is not the full lyric, but that's that's what I tell people. I'm like, this is my yeah. favorite part. <laughs> yeah, your version of a show is quite quite entertaining. <laughs> it's really interesting. I think I like injured my shoulder last time I tried to do that version of the show for you. So I'm, I'm retiring from ATSC this year. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, that and also I would think that in in 22 years in any place, because I, I certainly feel like not everybody has had the benefit of being in one place as long as you. have have and, and getting able to watch that program grow your school has certainly probably changed quite a bit over that period oh. of time oh definitely our when i uh when i arrived at, at westside high school in 1998 it was still hollywood high <laughs> um, that's what it was called in exactly Omaha. yep and um you know 
the wealth and and the dynamic and the demographic of our district was much different than it is now. Sure. Um, but there's a sense of pride that of being able to maintain that excellence over that long period of time, even Absolutely. though the de- demographic has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think part of it is just the commitment to excellence that Westside has as a district. Sure. Um, that, uh, you know, I, I've never been asked to cut back. I've never been told not to dream. And so we just keep doing it and the kids step up to the plate. I do believe that um, excellence is, is a huge part of what we do. Kids know what they're getting involved with. They know what they're stepping into. So they don't want to be that group of kids who doesn't meet that standard. For sure. And, and speaking of like knowing what they're stepping into, you have, I mean, one of the coolest, greatest feeder programs. Um, oh, yeah, I, I mean, holy cow. It's one of those, if you've not ever seen um, them in action. It's it's a really really remarkable thing to see. So tell us a little bit about your feeder show choir. Oh yeah, well I mean, again I get other people do all the work and I get to have all the fun. But, <laughs> That's not what um, I meant. But they are no, I know. <laughs> doing no, great. No, no, job. I agree. No, I've I've been blessed with a lot of great people. Um, at, in the middle school, Rob was there for quite a number of years, yes. and Nick Nick student taught with me and then was teaching elementary in our district and then moved into the middle school position. And it's just a seven, eight building, but um, he has really built numbers. He's gotten kids excited. Um, and what he gets out of those middle school kids is, is just amazing. Um, just in the last few years, I feel like I have kids come to me as freshmen. They're about six months ahead of where I would expect them to be oh, with their, sure. their vocal production, with their skills. And they're just, he, they are just incredible performers yeah. that everything comes alive with them. And it's, I'm, I'm really, I'm really, really lucky. And uh, it's a great pipeline and we work well together. Um, and our K, our K six staff as well. We've yeah. gotten a lot of movers and shakers there. So um, the whole K 12 music pipeline is pretty solid. So Absolutely. we're really lucky. Yeah. I mean, when I see with, with the middle school group, when you see them and you're like that seventh and eighth graders, it's one of those levels <laughs> of professionalism that your, that your brain is sort of broken. You're like, I, I don't think my like JV group who are, you know, 17 years old look like that ever. <laughs> so that's, know, and that does, crazy. it speaks to what you guys have in place as an entire feeder pattern um, of this, this expectation of excellence and, and not just that, but you guys do such a great job of putting steps in place to achieve that. I think a lot of districts struggle to find the balance between those things, between wanting to have that level of excellence and actually understanding what it would take to make that happen, not just in general, because there's no way to, in general, make a formula for that to work. Uh, you have to look at who your kids are and you have to look at, like you, we were talking about earlier, the demographics and and where your kids are from and what resources they have. Um, and, and I think Westside does such a great job of that. Now that we've done our commercial for Omaha Westside, <laughs> for District 66 in Omaha. <laughs> there you go. Option um, enrollment. Come on down. Yes, come on down, guys. No, um, and it is a really special place. It's pretty amazing. Um, I, I want to know what you feel like you've seen change around you in Nebraska, not just, of course, the advent of more people doing it, but anything in particular you could say to us about like what you've really seen change over those years? Um, well, there's just definitely more groups that are performing at a much higher level. True. Um, yeah. Everybody's figured it out. Everybody, um, everybody's making good decisions. Everybody, everybody's on the, you know, wants the best for their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen a little bit, what's been kind of nice is it, there was a lot of, um, I, don't, I don't know what the right word is, you know, in a competitive environment, we didn't feel very well liked um, uh, in Nebraska. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as other groups started to get better, there was still a lot of that, you know, we're going to beat you and, and all of the, um, the competitive ugly side of things sure, but yeah. i really have seen that go away in the last four or five years sure that we're all realizing that we are all just working really hard yeah. um we're all doing the best that we can do with what, whatever show we've been given and um it's okay to like somebody else's show and it's okay to not always win and it's okay to support one another and that's what's been really fun to happen over the last few years oh for sure i credit 
I really credit uh, Zach Bjornson and Millard West for yeah. kind of bringing that dynamic into the Metro. Um, it's just made us all better. And it, it just gives a, a great atmosphere when we're at competitions and we're cheering for one another. And at the end of the day, somebody's going to take home the biggest trophy, but it doesn't take anything away from anyone else. Yes, absolutely. And Zach really, ha- I mean, like he and I go way back as well. His, his personality is one of those that just, he does such a good job of just kind of keeping everybody together in it together you know what I mean like there's there's no alienating factor there with Zach he's never looking to to make himself look good at the expense of someone else that's just not who correct, he is correct, and, and yeah. I, I feel like that you guys are good compliments for each other across town like that um because they're seeing you guys competing at such high levels um everyone around you can go okay well we can do that too then obviously we we don't need to be you know snarky or rude in our competitive nature um and I will say that Omaha and Lincoln, that area of Nebraska, for, for those of you who are not familiar with that area of the country, it is one of the um, most highly saturated markets for competitive show choirs in the country, actually, which is really interesting to see um, because that has not been the case in the past. But in the last, I don't know, I mean, again, you know better than I, probably I'd say 10 years, maybe. It's just really exploded. Yeah, it has. Yeah, it has. Uh, which is super cool to see, but that definitely changes some things as well. As far as let's talk about like competitions, for example, you could have a full season and a half without ever leaving your backyard, basically. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, everyone's got a competition now. And... <laughs> yes. Do you find that that's hard to continue having your own event in the face of having what feels like you know two or three events every every weekend? You know. Well, you know. I mean, Lincoln East has theirs on the same date as ours, and we used yes. to be the only thing in town. Um, and, and there's enough show cars now to go around. I think it also helps um, even things out a little bit in terms of, you know, only a certain number of groups can really compete in any one event. Right. So um, it does, it does, it makes it manageable, I think, having so many of them. My, the drawback of that is that I feel like sometimes we just are moving the same contest around from week yeah. to week. Yeah. You know, it, it costs money to travel any great distance. And, and most of these groups don't get to leave town. Mm-hmm. So it's like, Oh yeah, we're going to go see, you know, this school again. And they got second last time. So we'll probably get third, you know, right. you kind of feel like <laughs> you kind of feel like you're moving the same contest around, which kind of a drag, but as Nebraska gets uh, more well-known by other states i think bringing other groups into the mix from iowa and south dakota and and minnesota wisconsin all those places i think it makes a difference too absolutely and and i mean the only way to combat that would be if you guys all got together like on one giant zoom call and we're like okay i'm not going here this year you go there this year next year i mean like that's not really feasible either so i kind of feel like there should be a a database about who's going where so you can pick and choose (laughs) exactly but but then nobody would fill it out until they saw the other ones where right exactly who's going to be the first one to do it (laughs) you we nominate you doran it's your it's your job (laughs) grandpa gets to go first grandpa gets to choose first that's right um well and we joke and call you grandpa just because you have been doing this for that long but um but you and i get to be grandparents together every summer at (laughs) at, uh, nebraska show choir camp um which started for i know i remember it starting because that was again that was when i was in college but it was um 2001 they had a smaller one i believe but for sure 2002 um i'd have to go back that's so many years ago in my memory now but um that i think has made a huge difference in the state as well oh yeah definitely definitely and it's grown and grown and grown um because i had kids that were involved with that in the first early years and i was involved as a director early on Mm -hmm. um and once uh we really started kind of getting our act together is when I stopped taking kids to show car camps of America because I felt like the same thing was happening um, in our own backyard with the same choreographers and great music and great instruction, Mm -hmm. maybe missing the national level component of SGA. But um, I think for the value, um, Nebraska show car camp has really helped transform um, the show choir in Nebraska. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, obviously, you know, I agree with that. And it's it's one of those things where it's been fun to to see, um, well, first of all, we should say that University of Nebraska has one of the only collegiate show choirs in the country with Big Red Singers. Um, so that camp is staffed by Big Red Singers, so college students who are our counselors and who are our dance captains and things like that. So it's been really fun 
as well, I think, to watch kids go from being campers to being in Big Red Singers and being counselors. And then now, in some cases, we're getting to the point where a lot of them are going out and becoming music educators um, right. and bringing their own students back. I mean, that's that's a circle of life moment that I've been very much enjoying oh, in the so last... Old. <laughs> I try not to think about it that way, but, <laughs> but it is a little bit weird when you have that moment of like, oh my gosh, I remember you when you were 14 and in my camp group and now, mm-hmm. yeah, and now you're Ben Eklund. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but and I think Ben was about... in our group one time, actually. No, it, it is a very interesting like thing to watch happen. And that's fun about doing what we're doing where, you know, especially at a high school level where you get to be with kids for four years yes. and then they go into music in college and you're still involved with that. And so the transition between being your student and then being your colleague, it's just they become your friends through all that time. So how many I mean, you probably can't count literally off the top of your head, but do you have a rough estimate of how many kids you've had go on into music education in some form or faction or even just music in general? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I've never really counted. Because I feel um, like your n- numbers are higher than the average, if I'm being honest. You have a lot uh, of kids who've gone on. I wouldn't think they're all super high. I think it's picked up more recently, kids mm-hmm. going on into music. Um, and I think it's, it ebbs and flows a little bit. But I've got some great former students out there teaching. and. Yeah. All of my student teachers are out there. So mm-hmm. so many. We always joke that everyone has student taught with you. Like it feels like, oh, where do you student teach? Oh, mama's like. <laughs> yeah. No, they have their own secret Facebook group. I'm sure. <laughs> of course, they probably do. <laughs> that would not surprise me one tiny bit. Actually, someone. It's called I've Survived Student Teaching with Doran Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> if they don't have it already, they're going to make it after this. That's like... what's going to come from this. I actually had somebody <laughs> say to me this year while I was out judging. They were like, "Well, let's see. When did we meet? Were you?" when were you student teaching at Omaha West Side? And I was like, I didn't student <laughs> teach at Omaha West Side. Like, and they kind of gave me a sideways glance and I'm thinking, oh, now my status points have dropped like 15 in your book. Uh, like to be a Nebraska girl who did not student teach at Omaha West Side, what was I doing with my life? I don't know. <laughs> it's apparently a hot ticket. I don't know. I guess. No, I was saving money living with my parents during student teaching. That's what I was doing. Um, okay, so I want to uh, talking about. So we've talked a bunch about the past in Nebraska. So the next question, obviously, is what do you see for the future of show choir, either for you, just your program or Nebraska in general? Like, what do you think is coming down the pike? Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, well, I I think the get more out your crystal we, ball. Yeah, well, I, the more we get these younger teachers on board, I think the more things are going to keep changing. And yeah, you know, we we tend to be not on the cutting edge, but like some of the California concepts are now happening in Nebraska and and people are starting to try that. And I I think what's happening is we're just all throwing the formula out. So there's, there's no longer any formula, you know, you can't, I, I laugh in the in the show choir connect forum on Facebook about, you know, tell me how to put a show together. <laughs> right. There's no right or wrong way anymore. No. And I think that's been fun. I think there's been a resurgence of a couple of things. I think bands are becoming even more important. Mm, true. Um, and I think I think that helps programs in general. Yes. Uh, the band and the and the vocal programs playing in the same sandbox. I think that's been huge. Mm-hmm. And I think the quality of singing has really um increased as well um no longer does the show aspect drive everything it's what you've done with that show aspect right um and i think because i just think people are singing better and i think that's making choral programs better um because your your show choir can't sing better if your choir doesn't sing better oh amen and so i so i think people are are reaching out and getting help with the vocal side of things, rather than just hiring a choreographer who's going to create the choreography, right? We're bringing in consultants. We're bringing in people that are training us in vocal technique, who are coming in and, and helping us get our group to the next level. So I think musically um, and uh, is is an area that I think we're going to continue to grow. I I would agree with that. And when you talked about bands, I think specifically this year, since we're talking mostly about Nebraska and this concept, I I would agree that bands suddenly were they were a lot tighter this year, like a lot fuller sound. They were more present in the show. They had more featured moments that were logical feature moments. I don't just mean like stick your band on the stage for the fun of it, but like you had that amazing fanfare at the beginning of yours for the Olympics this year. I mean, that was nuts that those trumpets, like, holy buckets. The last time I saw that show, that was 
it sounded like it was NBC and you turned on the Olympics, <laughs> which was amazing. I don't know how hard those poor children had to work at that, but kudos to them. So <laughs> yeah, they're awesome. Good musicians. Um, but yeah, lots of bands. Lot, and, uh, you know, Lincoln Southwest always has a really good band in Nebraska. I feel like theirs is, you know, always top notch and they do such a great job. But I mean, there's so many that are really just starting to become like, wow, OK, that's amazing. Oh, Papillion La Vista South. Did you yeah. see them this year anywhere? Were you out yeah, together yeah. anywhere? That yeah, band. We were. Whew, that was amazing. Yeah, so I think that's a huge. Uh, I think that's a huge area of growth. I mean, I think we're seeing more story shows. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's certain places that I'm not going to go that other people will go with <laughs> lights and backdrops and all that kind of stuff. I do think one of the things that we need to be careful of is creating creating monsters that we can't transport to each other's schools oh well think, you say that as the person with the world's smallest backstage area for sure i, I, I know but in general <laughs> i just think that, no i agree I, I i mean i think we all can dream big but we all have to think okay can i set up set this up and tear it down in 25 minutes and yeah. this place yeah so i think we just need to be careful that we're not designing something that's too big for the format that we're in anyway. For sure. Well, a lot of comps are moving towards that 30-minute time slot. Yeah, but it doesn't make the stage any bigger. Or oh, well, for sure. space any bigger. Yeah. You can't magically <laughs> be like, and now we have an extra 200 square feet. No, I get that. Right. <laughs> it's fun to see the lights and do the soundboard, you know, with the external microphones and all that fun stuff. And it's cool to have all these backdrops and things like that. But at the end of the day, do the kids sing and dance well? Right. You know, and sometimes yep. sometimes that does get lost and that that's hard. Yeah. It, I mean, it's it's hard to say what the intangibles are when you watch a group. You know, you're scoring yeah. the score sheet, but there are intangibles that, you know, for me, it's it's got to be about the, the singing, the music, first of all, that I'm I'm choosing music that I want to live with for nine months, that I want my kids oh, to live for with sure. for nine months, text that I want them interacting with, a storyline that I is going to kind of build them up as human beings. So I think it's all comes down to what you're asking the kids to do. And then, then you figure out how to get them from point A to point Z throughout the season. Yeah, for sure. Um, and having that big picture mindset is something that is so important for people to cultivate if they're not good at that yet. It's really important to be able to look at a problem like that and go, all right, like you said, find where point A is, here's where we want to go. And now we chart how to get there. It's not just a right. happy and accident. That- yeah, and that's sort of what I figured out in the last few years I'm all about and that it's the process that, uh, you know, if I could skip all of my performances, I'd be happy to do that. Really? Um, yeah, I don't actually because, you know, you can't stop and fix anything. And well, But yes. I, I, I just feel like I know I, we start in August and I know where I want to be at the end of competition season in March mm-hmm. and I know how to get there. I mm-hmm. know I just kids trust me. I know where I'm going. Yeah. And and we're going to get to where we need to be if you follow me. Mm-hmm. That no, that actually makes a lot of sense now that you say it that way. I see that about you for sure. Um, <laughs> what about people who have inspired you who are other show choir professionals, either your peers or mentors that you looked up to or anyone that really has helped you along your path? Well, I don't think that anybody grew up in Iowa and didn't want to be Pete Eklund. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. For me, when I was when I was a very young teacher, Pete was weird enough to say Pete was also a young teacher. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you know, creating monsters in Iowa, and and for me, it wasn't just the show choir; it was his men's choir, it was his women's choir, yes. it was his concert choir, it was everything music, and I wanted to have a standard of excellence, so. Um, so Pete's always been a, a huge role model and hero to me. In fact, he left um, Iowa, and so did I at the same year. So we've been in That's Nebraska true. together. That's true. You time. did that at the same time. I forgot that. Yeah. Exactly. A couple. I mean, a couple other people. Linda Southern. Linda, yes. uh, formerly Linda McEachern. Yes. I watched her group every year at at on Alaska as a young teacher and wanted to have something like that. And then Katie as our choreographer was one of Linda's former students. So there was always that connection and she's somebody that oh, um, totally forgotten that too. You said that that's right. Yeah. yeah Buffalo Grove. Yeah. We're still super good friends and she calls it like it is. And I yeah. appreciate her feedback and appreciate her friendship. Dina else has been huge in my life and in yes. my program. We went to, we went to college together. Um, she was, she was Did you uh, truly, I didn't know that. Yeah. We went to University of Northern oh Iowa my together. Goodness. How crazy. And, um, 
Yeah, with her husband Pete as well. Yes, and Dina yeah. was always the soloist, and I was always in the third row holding my music. <laughs> um, but she, we become great friends, and what she's given to our program, I'm really honored to have her be a part of working with my kids every year. So that's somebody that's really, I feel like, made a difference. Person. Yeah. Yeah, I've made a difference. And you look up to people like Mark Myers and John Burlace and, yeah. and people that are just killing it out there, doing a great job and doing it. Um, I just feel like with kids at the center and yes. those are the kids that I, those are the, the people that I've looked up through the years. You're, you're so right about that. And, and you do such a good job of that in your program, I think, which is part of what makes you guys so successful is that you are definitely centered on what's going to be best for your students first. Um, and though, yes, you can be a competitive person. Let's be honest with yourself. Yes. I'm a little competitive. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe that's what, I mean, I think that sometimes for those of us who are, and I say that as someone who's also super competitive. So yeah. I think people see that from the outside and they think, oh, well, all they care about is the trophy. But, I, you know, I know for you and certainly for myself as well, like it really is about these kids having the best possible experience that we can give them and get them as much information and give them as much learning opportunity as possible. Yeah, I agree. And I always, as I get to those last week, a week or so before our final competition, I'm always asking myself, have I done everything that I can mm -hmm. do to set these kids up to be successful? I, yes. I can never, I will never blame the kids. Yeah. Have I done everything that I can do to set them up for success? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you'll never see me blaming my kids. Well, if I just had this, or if they did this, if they just listened to me, oh, my yeah, kids that's... listen to me. Yeah. Am I giving them the right information? Right. Exactly. Um, so <laughs> At some it's point, we me. have to look at ourselves. Yeah. And, and not everyone's great at that yet. I think there's still room for growth with some of us. Um, and it took me certainly longer than I would like to admit to realize some of that when I was younger. But, um, you know, that's that's got to be the root of it is, yeah. is is their experience in those kids. I was going to say, and I think that philosophy is what led me to make the change and hire John Burlace to design our show because I felt like I wasn't doing everything uh, – I could do to help the kids mm. be successful. So getting some other people in to yeah. help this old guy make some changes and step out of his comfort zone. <laughs> well, I felt like, I felt like that was a huge thing for me yeah. to, to say, Hey, I don't have all the answers. I've been teaching forever. I don't have all the answers. Somebody help. So but that's John Burles, you... my knight in shining armor came <laughs> to my help. That's why I wanted <laughs> you to talk a little bit about that because I think that's so important oh. for everyone to hear that, you know, you've been doing this even just at Omaha Westside for 22 years. And you mm -hmm. can say, I don't have all the answers here. I need some information. I need some input. I need some extra help. Because oh, yeah. so many directors, I think, are scared sometimes to bring in someone, anyone else, to help with their group. I mean, obviously, you want to pick someone you respect who's really going right. to match up with what you believe and what you teach your kids. But having someone come in and spend time with your students, it can be such a gift. I mean, think of all the times you said something a hundred thousand times and then somebody else comes in and they say it once and you're like, and then they click, you know, I mean like whatever you can right. do to give them the opportunity to have those, those light bulb moments. Okay. Are you ready for the five questions? Uh, the five questions. The Here five we go. questions. Listen, I don't know if you're ready. No, you're going to, you're going to do great. <laughs> you're going to do great. The first one's an easy one. Okay. So what is your favorite entertainment medium outside of choir show choir stuff so do you love movies do you like to listen to music podcasts live shows what's your favorite way to be entertained i would say musical theater uh, live musical theater like going to live see musical theater mm -hmm. as much as possible even though i just got my refund for my dear evan hansen I'm tickets that so got canceled sorry i just got my refund for uh, company on broadway with patty lapone uh, oh that's right oh, i <gasps> forgot you were supposed to go there and it was a reverse gender version of company for sondheim's 90th yeah, birthday and yeah. i was oh so excited yeah i like music uh, here's the thing i love musical theater as a consumer mm -hmm. i have no desire to direct the musical I, that's why thinking that was such a fun answer from you because i'm like uh, no, dude I'm you don't you, direct I, the musical <laughs> no i i break out in a cold sweat and when they talk about the musical i walk away so <laughs> but i but i love musical theaters probably that's mostly what i listen to when i'm exercising at yeah. the gym that's my thing yeah absolutely okay you did show choir in high school yes yeah. Okay. So can you tell us? Actually, no, wait. I did swing choir. Oh, that's actually a very important <laughs> distinction because those are not the same thing. But with your swing choir, can you no. tell us what your senior year show was? Oh, dear God. Or any of the no music idea. you did from your senior year? Can you remember anything? Um, 
I, my senior year, I don't remember a thing, but I could tell you what my freshman show choir show was that we won with. Isn't that so random how that works, though, where it's like, nope, no idea. But this one I got. The one from when I'm 14, I can't forget that no, one. I'll tell you. No. All right. Was. So tell it us your freshman year when you won. Everybody rejoiced from the Wiz. Oh, yeah. Went into Razzle Dazzle them from Chicago. Yes. Our ballad was life-changing. Uh, Everybody Has a Dream, Billy Joel, the old Kirby Shaw arrangement. Oh, yes. Um, and then we ended with a chorus line medley. One. I was like, which inappropriate songs did they cut out of that medley? Um, <laughs> that's so funny to me. I also struggle. I can't remember much of my senior year either. And people have on this podcast been like, that's so weird. Like, of course I remember my senior year. And I was like, don't be so sure that like everyone knows that not everyone can just rattle that off. I can tell you my sophomore year in Hannibal, Missouri, but that's, that's it. I can't tell you my senior year. It involved love shack by the B 52s. Oh. So that's how, you know, okay. this was the nineties. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. What is your favorite show you've ever show choir show you've ever seen? You can't have had anything to do with it. But you saw it, like, as an um, audience member. I guess the one, I would say the um, um, Wheaton Hornbill's House Wizard of Oz show. Yes, yes. I, I just think that was life-changing. I got to, to see it. I got to judge it. I got to experience it on all different levels. But mm -hmm. I just, it was just brilliant. Yeah. Uh, okay, next one. What is your favorite show you've ever worked on? So you were either a performer or you, you know, directed it or... Or maybe you choreographed it. Maybe it was one of those no, ones yeah. you choreographed yeah. in Iowa. <laughs> Certainly not one of the ones I choreographed. Pot of beret, um, pot of beret. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I would, you know. And I know that's hard. You can pick a couple if you need it to. It is hard. I, I think last year's show um, that we did in what year are we in? 2019. Yeah. I think that was it was the most vulnerable I've been. Sure. And the most vulnerable my students had to be in creating a show and we were we were doing things that were not traditional west side kind of things mm -hmm. and so i look back now and it, it was it, i enjoyed it and it stretched me um yeah. and i you know it was it was super fun yeah here's the last one and, and it's up to you if you want to elaborate but here's the actual question <laughs> what is your most embarrassing show <laughs> choir moment in 10 words or less <laughs> Most embarrassing show choir memory in ten words or less. <laughs> my, I, I can't think of embarrassing. You've never been embarrassed in the context of show choir ever. I mean, my my most embarrassing moment as a performer was uh, falling off the stage during curtain call of the Music Man. So okay, that's what we want to hear then. So that's the one I keep coming back to. Falling off stage during the Music Man. That's under ten. Good job. Okay, so when you okay. you were a student, obviously, then at that point. Yeah, I was in college yeah I was in college okay and it's up to you if you want to elaborate but we would love to hear the story of you falling off the stage during the music man well it, <laughs> it was on the curtain call and we had a, a thrust stage I mean the audience yes. was like a foot away from me oh no and it was 76 trombones I had hop second <laughs> hop second kick ball change or step ball change kick and when I kicked too high my foot went out from under me and I landed on the lady in the front row. You like sat on someone's lap. Yeah, I was like right onto her lap. And then I jumped back up on the stage just in time to bow with my line. You got back up on the stage? I did. So if oh you watch it on, on, the, on the VHS from yes. back in the day, yes. you see me dancing, you see me disappear, you see me jump back up and bow. <laughs> It was a magic trick. It was planned that yes. way all yeah. along. Did you know the woman whose lap you landed in? I, I did not, but to this day, I still see her face. Oh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted this story to take the turn that that was Jolan's lap that you landed no. in, and that's how you met your wife. <laughs> No, no. I, I luckily never saw this woman again, but the look of fear in her face has been stuck in my brain forever. Burned in your memory. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. That's an amazing story to end on. We'll, we'll, we'll end your misery of that at that point. Yeah. Um, well, Doran Johnson, thank you so, so much for hanging out and chatting with me today. It's my pleasure. And hopefully, I mean hopefully there will come a time where I will get to see you again. Um, we're not going to get to see each other at camp this summer. We've just heard, which is know, very, sad. very sad because come on coronavirus. Let's, 
let's wrap it up sir. hoping hoping for some good news here soon i know me as well so hopefully we'll get to see each other soon but i'm glad we got to chat today thank you yeah great to talk to you